1: Welcome to the Terrible Podcast Season 14, Episode 57. He's Dave am Alex dot SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Friday. Steelers Nation as the Pittsburgh Steelers will be back at home this weekend for Sunday's Week 13 game at Acrisure Stadium, 1 o'clock Eastern Time, hosting the 2-10 and 10 Arizona Cardinals. Dave, how you doing? lot to talk about today.
2: Happy Friday. Happy December, Alex. Uh, you ready to unleash some hell today? Uh, <laughs> boy, it's been what? Uh, how many years? 14 years since uh, Mike Tomlin had that uh, press conference on, I think it was November 30th. Even, I think yesterday was the 14th anniversary, uh, of that. And obviously we talked a little, little bit about that with John Harris, uh, the other day during the great interview that we had with him, uh, Arizona Cardinals coming up on Sunday should be an interesting game and got a great guest on today who covers them. So it should be a fun show, hopefully for everybody. Yeah.
1: And that guest is Bob McManaman. He covers the Cardinals for the Arizona Republic. And so we'll talk to him in a little bit, get his perspective on Arizona's season. But Dave, we'll start with the Pittsburgh Steelers and their injury situation, their health situation, and some really good news when it comes to one free safety, Minka Fitzpatrick. He's practiced in full on Wednesday and Thursday. We don't know his status for the game yet. Uh, That won't come out until later today on the Friday and final injury report. but looking very likely like make of its Patrick will return to the, to the Pittsburgh Steelers secondary.
2: Yeah, look, uh, it'd be great to see him back out there again, right? So uh, keep your fingers crossed. He makes it uh, through the the Friday practice uh, fine. Everything's trending in the right direction with him. I I think it would be a little bit of a surprise right now or or really something unfortunate really at at this point for him uh, not to be back on the field. This would be, what, the first time since week one that they've had Minka, Cam, and... Who else am I missing on that on the defense? And Hayward. And, and Hayward. Uh oh no. Uh Cam. Mika, oh Cam. Mink and what? And what? All on the field at the uh at 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 the same time. So uh that will that will be a welcome sight. You know, assuming that happens, there, the rest of the injury report looks like it's uh shaken out pretty good. It, it sounds like we'll see Montrevius Adams uh back on the field on Sunday, more in the reserve role, I would anticipate. Uh, this time around, uh, who else? Uh, Kenny's fine with that ankle. Allen Robinson, uh, looks like he's going to be good to go. I think, really, the only the only question mark, I guess, would be Calvin Austin, right? Because he returned back to practice on Thursday in a limited uh, fashion. So we'll have to see what Friday holds for him. Everybody else, I think, sounds good to go. So I don't know. You, you we, we, We're going to get to a Calvin Austin questionable on Friday?
1: Potentially. And it begs the question, if he can't play, you know, you're generally healthy in your receiver room, but who is your punt returner? And your options are Deontay Johnson, who's done it before, including against Arizona. And our group chat reminded me of that back in what 2019, had that punt return for a touchdown. Uh, Johnson was sent home yesterday with an illness, but I don't anticipate that holding him out of this uh, game this weekend. James Pierce had a shoulder injury. He's been battling, but he's been playing through it. So assume that he will again. And Cam Hayward's been getting, uh, getting extra rest this week, but with Austin, yeah, if he, if he can't go, who is your punt returner?
2: Yeah, I would think uh Deontay Johnson or Patrick Peterson's done it before, right? Uh yeah,
1: for Arizona, funny enough. You
2: know. Uh for for Arizona. That I mean, uh do you really what do what you got to do with the running back position? Cause you're, you're, you're you know you're probably not going to have uh 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 Godwin and McFarlane both active it'll be interesting to see what uh, what way they go this time on the, I haven't given it a lot of thought. I mean, I understand why they didn't last week. It was a lot of special teams uh, related there, but now you run into a situation where you might not uh, have, have Calvin Austin in third. So it, it will be, you know, we'll, we'll obviously know 90 minutes before kickoff and, We'll we'll see what the injury report says today. Hopefully, Calvin Austin is not listed as questionable. But uh, I think overall, uh, these guys that they've listed as questionable have ended up playing uh, on 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 Sunday. So maybe questionable won't be that big of a deal when it comes to him.
1: Yeah, well, I think with the running back position, it may come down to is Blake Martinez active or not. If he's active and can help out on special teams, then maybe a guy like Igor Buket is not as needed, and McFarland can. You know, be in his role as the kick returner and potentially punt returner. He's not really done it before, right. but I imagine he, he can be in consideration at the least to practice, maybe some preseason type stuff. Um, so we'll see on that. But yeah, Calvin Austin, the the big name I'm watching here for Friday's report.
2: All right, and, uh the Cardinals are pretty banged up bunch, aren't they? Looks like a uh, started off looking like a uh, Walgreens receipt there.
1: Yeah, and they still look pretty. It's still pretty lengthy here, getting later in the week, and and Bob will uh, kind of go over some of those injuries as well. But some notable names not practicing uh, with Hollywood Brown, Antonio Hamilton, Trey McBride. Sounds like he's going to play their number one tight end. Uh, he's got a groin injury. Michael Wilson, their speedy rookie, looking unlikely to play in this one. Jalen Thompson, one of their starting safeties, probably is going to go, but he's got some rib issues as well. So a two and ten team with injuries. Starling Thomas, the fifth, their their corner. Uh, he's not looking likely to play this week, so they're missing some some notable names on their end. All right,
2: so it'll be interesting to see how their injury report shakes out later today.
1: Yeah, that's certainly going to be one to watch because it's going to be probably pretty pretty heavy with some game statuses and guys getting ruled out and being questionable and things to watch for, for Friday and for Saturday, depending on elevations and what moves they make there. But we'll talk about it more with Bob in, in uh, and in our preview a little bit later in the show. All right, Dave, the coordinators were speaking yesterday, Eddie Faulkner and Terrell Austin talking with the media, and we'll start with Faulkner, and it was kind of like, it's a second presser as OC, but really the first, because that last one last week was so chaotic with, you know, the firing and the questions about that, and not really sure what to expect and haven't seen a Faulkner, you know, managed week uh, in terms of game action, what the results were to me, and I talked about this in my terrible take today, the, 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 thing that struck me the most about Faulkner was he made a point to say that the results of Sunday, the improved performance, the traction this offense saw was really critical because it really is going to create that buy in for these players of, you know, look, look at we, what we accomplished. Yeah, we didn't score enough points and things to work on, but um, you're seeing some fruits of that labor. And I think the message becomes it resonates more in that room when you kind of see those results occur right away.
2: Yeah, I thought that hit home with me. I thought he made sure went out of his way to praise other guys on 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 the staff and and that kind of stuff as well too. Uh he talked. Uh, let's see what was different with the way you went about it last week. He said we scheduled meetings, did some things a little bit different to make sure we had total clarity on things. That's really it. He says it wasn't much different than than that. We just really, really honed in on the details. Uh, he says I've got to say that, and then he goes on to to praise offensive staff was incredible. Uh, you know, can't say them uh, all. Uh, uh, he said I could say them by name. He says you know who they are. They awesome so you know he really made sure to pass the hat and 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 you know pass uh congrats you know just gave 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 credit where credit was due all the way around so uh other than that you know uh, at the end of the thing he did say we got a we got to score more points
1: (laughs) (laughs) an ode to canada
2: right so uh anything else stick out to you what he said
1: well, one specific thing he said, and it was more framed of, he heard this from, from players in terms of the feedback, but he said that the play calls were coming in quicker. And that, is that just better streamlined communication? I'm not quite sure, but that is like, notable for an, an offense that's still young and just in general, for those things to come in as soon as possible. I think it's really important So there's time to get to the line and make checks and just you know, not have that kind of frantic moment before you break the huddle. Um, it's just not a good way to set a tone for the play. So that, that that to me is one notable thing where it sounds like sounds like the communication has been more uh, streamlined and just more effective and efficient overall.
2: Look, they uh, they they you know it was noticeable and obviously it didn't translate into points that we talked about there. But uh, they've just got to now just build on what they did. It, it's a good week to do it too against a defense that's had some problems uh, uh, in the Arizona Cardinals. So yeah, I think we'll see. You know, hopefully we'll see them build a little bit more on some of those some of those newer things that were or at least some of the things like the 13 personnel uh, those kind of things because look they should be able to run on this cardinals uh, defense here and i think I think the weather's calling for uh, I think some rain potentially on on, on on Sunday there so it could be wet and all like that uh, this this team needs to continue to build off the running game and you know I, I kind of got to take away that that was the plan.
1: Yeah, he talked about thirteen personnel and said that was part of their package against the Bengals. May not be their package against the Cardinals, and it may you know vary game by game. But you just saw them being able to adapt to a, a particular game plan. Um, he, he gave Allen Robinson some praise, mm-hmm. the, the slot wide receiver, for doing the dirty work and a guy that's buying in and you know accomplished receiver. He was once a high draft pick, once thousand yard receiver, but now he's blocking on insert blocks and making the occasional tough third down catch. So the numbers for him certainly are not gaudy and the contract for next year is not tenable. He won't return under that number, but I I think he's brought what the Pittsburgh Steelers hoped he would bring when they traded for him over from the Rams in terms of the blocking, the mentorship, the occasional third down catch over the middle. And, and I think he's just a good example and good model of here's a guy who's really humble and he could, you know, want the ball the way that receivers typically want the ball, but he's the guy that's just doing whatever it takes to help the team win.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and I'll also address the running back and how uh, position and how how you know uh, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren uh, complement each other. So yeah, I think we'll see more of kind of the the, the split and uh, the touch split moving forward. There, uh, he talked about uh, Glenn Thomas, someone you wrote about just recently.
1: Yeah, I didn't write about that article. I don't. I don't think it was somebody else that wrote that article. Oh, about, okay, uh, Glenn Thomas, but yeah, he's uh, one of the new assistants. He came over from what Arizona State and just talked about Thomas's experience at the uh, college level for some of these, you know, power five uh, teams and one of those assistants that are putting their hand in the pile to help out this team and form a game plan.
2: Uh, He talked about how him and Sullivan seem to be uh, uh, lock lock and step and all like that, and, you know, that seemed to be an issue with the actual operations that, that go with both of them being on the sideline and with Sullivan calling the plays.
1: Yeah, Faulkner said he suggested a couple plays to Sullivan, but credited Sullivan for calling a great game overall. So, again, first time out, things to work on, too much negativity, have to improve red zone play. Faulkner made a a point that details become even more magnified in the red zone where space is condensed, and so that has to improve. That's how this team is going to score the points that they want to. Sounds like their goal is three touchdowns per game, and obviously fell short of that against Cincinnati. But, um, again, you saw the wheels in motion, the foundation being set to hopefully – build upon what they started last Sunday. All right. What about Terrell Austin? Yeah, probably less so, I think, overall from Austin there. Um, said at some point he imagines that Blake Martinez will get a hat and have some sort of role, what that'll be. It, it's hard to say. They seem to be pretty happy with with Michael Walker right now. And, of course, Landon Roberts is playing extremely well. When it comes to Trenton Thompson, we talked about, I believe, Wednesday, what his role is going to be, assuming that Minka Fitzpatrick comes back, which seems very likely at this point. And, you know, Austin obviously was not committed to anything, but essentially to me was implying that Thompson's still going to have a role in this defense, even when the secondary gets healthy.
2: Yeah, that's the way I took that as well too, and and he's obviously uh uh he's easy to spot on the field as we've noted uh you know in his time, uh due due to due to injury being out there, so I, I I'm with you. I expect to continue to see him out there. When it, even as this team uh, gets healthier here, uh, what do you what do you think about his comments on Darius Rush? He was asked about.
1: Yeah, let me pull up the exact quote there. Um, yeah, it didn't say a whole lot. He's been working as the dime defender. Kind of talked about uh, James Pierre being up in terms of, you know, he's playing some some packages as well. So, yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Will he get a hat this week? with do coming back. It seems like he may be the odd man out. But a guy that's been able to dip his toe in the water in some of those situational packages, and he's played some slot corner, and... Uh, kind of mugged the A-gap occasionally and played some safety against Tennessee and some of those kind of post-snap rotations. So just good for him to get some snaps in, some tape to evaluate, maybe make a mistake and learn from it. Um, that's all positive.
2: I was hoping uh, he he would get asked about DeMarvin Leal, but uh, that that didn't come to fruition there. So that that that's a bit of un- unfortunate. I thought for sure maybe we'd get some questions about the lack of playing time that Leal has had.
1: Really want to see your projected and active post this weekend. Um, this D line's healthy, assuming that Adams is going to be good to go, which it appears that he will. And so, who is the odd man now? I think it's going to come down to either Leal or Armand Watts. I want to see what direction you go in.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and look at some uh positional snaps and all, and what, what, what. Maybe they can do with Watts uh, and and his versatility versus that of of Leal's. That might be the telltale sign. I, I'm with you. I think it's, it's going to be one of those two, especially if Montrevius Adams is healthy enough to go.
1: Watts can play up and down the line, and he's been getting more reps because he's been getting some of those backup rotational no tackle reps. Uh, he was doing that in Chicago last year. Was playing more base end with Pittsburgh prior to Adams going down in Week Nine. So. There is more versatility with Watts, but in week nine, when Adams was healthy and the steel line was healthy for the first time since week one, Watts was the odd man out. But since then, Liao snaps have become almost invisible. 12 snaps over the last three games. So we'll see how it looks.
2: Week nine. Was that the Titans game?
1: Yes, that was a Titans game.
2: Okay. And they, they obviously uh, centered around a run and Derek Henry. And this week, you're going to have an offense center around a run of James Connor. Uh, Mike, my- not not dig. You know, I, I usually don't write that post until later tonight or or, or, or Saturday morning there. But uh, my gut, my guts leading me to think that Watts might be the in the odd man out uh, here. Uh, and and I mean, we'll, we'll see what I come down to final. But it the talking point will be. If if Leal is the
1: inactive. Yeah, I mean the snap counts would suggest that, but again, you know, with Adams coming back, it may change that equation some. So we'll have to see. uh, Come eleven thirty on Sunday.
2: All right. What else we got from uh, Austin? Anything?
1: No, to me that was basically it overall. Although it is important, as you stated, and and Austin made the point, this will be. We assume uh, so so long that Mika Fitzpatrick returns this weekend. First time since week one that Watt. And Hayward and Minka will be on the field together. It was like when what Deontay came back it was the first right. time you had Deontay and Pickens, and then when really when frying was came back, and then you had all all those guys together. How many snaps this season has Watt and Hayward and Minka been on the field together? It's fifteen, maybe. Oh I mean, it, wow,
2: it, it, I can it, find it, out here if you if you
1: vamp a little bit. Yeah, here. it's a, it's a small number. So to have all your stars available at once has been. Rare, you know, obviously Hayward got hurt in the first half of week one, tried to come back for two odd snaps and he couldn't, couldn't go. And then he was out until week nine. And then by then Minka was out cause he got hurt in week eight. So, you know, you've lost two of your stars for large chunks of the season Hayward for the first half and Minka for essentially five games. He got hurt so early in that week, eight game against Jacksonville what, you know, knock on what has thankfully been healthy. So to have all those guys out there together, something you have not seen really since last season.
2: Yeah. I'm trying to scroll down here and see if I can pull this up quickly in an overview here. Oh boy. Don't I mean, it's, like, it's
1: not many snaps, obviously yeah. I, mean, I can try to maybe try to pull something up here, but
2: yeah, I don't, least, I, you've one. got your, you've got your, def- I don't have your defensive charting uh, uh, pulled up here. I, okay. I'm going off the NFL.
1: Oh, uh, that's going to be
2: detail. So it's harder to scroll, Messy scroll, to scroll through it here.
1: Uh, let's try to check really briefly. Just going to have a quick look. Looks like, according to me, 12 snaps. Okay. So, long time coming for the Pittsburgh Seagulls defense. All
2: right. All right. And obviously going to be saddled with stop- stopping the run this week.
1: Yeah, because the Cardinals are still committed to running the ball, and they have run the ball well. That's one of the few things they have done uh, effectively this season. Anything from any players. I know. I don't really want to beat the dead horse. It is Deontay Johnson. They're all moving on. Kenny Pickett says they love Deontay. I thought he was, you know, he took responsibility. He owned it in front of the team, in front of the media. I'm moving past. I hope everybody will do the same.
2: Yeah. And we talked ahead of and uh, right before Deontay talked to the media on Wednesday there. We talked about how we hoped he would talk to the media on Wednesday. We uh, hoped he would say the things that he, that he, really ended up saying there uh, overall and to me now with, when it comes to him is, you know, don't tell me about the labor pain, show me the baby or don't show me the baby anymore. You know, <laughs> uh, I, I guess specifically, cause look, I mean, that, that wasn't a good look for him. Obviously we knew it was going to be a talking point, uh, about him, uh, throughout the week. He's been blasted by anybody, uh, uh, and everybody on, on these talk shows, uh, even, you know, Ryan Clark and, and all the guys on inside, uh, inside the NFL on Tuesday night, Made sure to take their their their, their shots at him. Uh, uh, there, uh, I understand the frustration with the fan base right now when it comes to a guy uh, like Deontay because of all the other things that we we end up talking about uh, Deontay. But i you know I wrote an article, you know there's been a lot of pushback with 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 the fan base and and I un- I look I understand it, uh, but I think it's a little bit strong at least from where I sit right now. And I think even Jerry Dulac had an article on, in, in, in the Post-Gazette this morning about kind of fears that Deontay might become the next, you know, problem Antonio Brown, uh, if you will. And once again, uh, I understand the negative things that come along with Deontay. The drops, the uh, the running backwards sometimes after a mm. catch, uh, the – uh, obviously the, 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 on field letting his emotions get to him. However you want to phrase, it. sometimes the body language isn't great or ha- definitely, uh, through the first half of the season, the body language at, at, at times on the field has not been great. He obviously missed, you know, uh, uh, had some missed time within there too. I know that's got him frustrated and then you have the stuff you know that that allegedly happened in the locker room I, I i get all of the baggage there even so i'm not to the point right now and i don't believe the steelers are to the point right now where they're thinking after this season we got to do what we need to do to try to get him out of town. I just I don't think that makes sense from a financial standpoint, from a roster standpoint, uh, uh, overall when it comes to him. Now, now, might I change my tune here in the next uh, uh, the remaining of the season? It's it's possible. Uh, but look, I, I'm I'm willing to bet he got beat up pretty pretty hard by Mike Tomlin in 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 those meeting rooms this week. Right. And I think Mike Tomlin kind of left him. uh, I think Mike Tomlin did a good job on Tuesday, kind of leaving him hanging out in the wind, uh, so to speak, saying that's something that he's going to have to address with the media and his teammates, uh, that kind of thing. He's saying he wasn't going to add any more color to it. Other than that, I, I, I I think he understands the severity of what happened uh, uh, in this game. He, He just, he's, and look, if there's anything, and it's a very small positive here to try to pull out of what happened in that game of Cincinnati, at least he didn't go in a tank for the rest of the game. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he had that catch down the sideline. He had that big catch on on that low ball on third down there. I thought he did a couple other decent things in that game that, that a lot of people won't talk about move, moving past that there. We've, we've just have got to stop seeing the controllable kind of things that he can control stop happening. We got to stop, you know, if we're talking about him after a a game, it should be positive, you know, Uh, uh, now might there be a drop in there? Might there be, man, you got to figure out which way the compass points north here. Yeah, I I understand that that kind of stuff's probably going to continue to surface here. But is there anything right now? And, and you read the article that I wrote last night there. Uh, is there anything that, that would lead you to believe that Deontay Johnson will be out of town by March 20th?
1: No, I fully expect Deontay Johnson to be a Steeler in 2024.
2: Do you think that's the right decision? I do. But from where you sit right now.
1: I do. I understand the frustration with him. And again, I mean I've said all I can really say about Deontay Johnson. I mean, I, I you know, I think he's a talented player that has to to get out of his head sometimes, not stack negative plays, but uh he does more more good to Pittsburgh right now than harm. Doesn't always feel like that, I understand, but uh replacing him would be tough to do. Uh they're lacking some of the, the receiver depth right now, so uh, I expect and want Deontay to be a Steeler in 2024,
2: man. If you if you jettison him, and 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 realistically, if they were going to do that, it would seem like it would be by March 20th, right? Because of the three million dollar roster mm-hmm. bonus he's due, right? Right. All right. So if you if you are I- I listening to this and you are gung ho on on thinking that they need to get Deontay Johnson out of town either via cutting him or via trade. Uh, okay. All right. But if you do that, and, and look, Alan Robinson's not coming back on the salary he's, he's making or scheduled to make, right? I mean, there's, there's no way they're going to pay him $10 million next year.
1: Yeah. He may, he could come back on some sort of redone, reworked, terrible right. deal, new one, but not, not at his number. He's got to play for a much, much smaller number next year. All
2: right. Let's, let's say that somehow that ends up materializing. Uh, uh, with 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 Alan Robinson uh coming back at two million, three million max uh mm-hmm. there. Uh and you did end up jettison jettisoning uh Deontay Johnson uh by March twentieth. Your wide receiver room at that point is really George Pickens, Calvin Austin the third, and Allen Robinson. And yes, I understand. Look, I here here's my thoughts on this, Alex. I almost called you Allen uh, <laughs>
1: I'll take it. I've been called worse.
2: Alan kazora Uh <laughs> Alex. Um uh, regard regardless of what happens with Deontay, I think this team's drafted a wide receiver. Would you would you agree with that?
1: I do. They need slot production. Like I like what Robinson has done. I talked about the gritty stuff, but the last two years, Dave, their slot receivers have done nothing. Right. Claypool, Oshevsky, Sims, Austin, Robinson. I mean, what did they combine probably? Fifty catches. I mean, that's over over two seasons from the slot. That that's not enough.
2: All right, and 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 you're specifically thinking not only will they draft need to draft a receiver, they need to draft a slot receiver.
1: Yeah, now that can come in different forms: big sure. slot, small slot. You know, might depend. And, and there's probably some outside depth needed because on the outside, you know, behind Deontay and George, it, it's looking pretty thin. Boykin, a, a special teamer, so you may even see a double dip or something. I mean, it, it's all on the table for me right now.
2: I mean, I think uh, you know once again. Uh, and, and Deontay prime primarily is your ex guy. So, um, uh, you know, I think regardless of what happens with, with, with Deontay, you're drafting a wide receiver, uh, you could even regardless of what happens with Deontay, because him be let, you know, uh, well, look, if, if he's gone, he's gone. So then not only do you need a slot receiver, you, you, you're, you're going to need another X probably. And then
1: well, definitely. Yeah.
2: And then. How quickly can you can can you know what what are you going to get and and how quickly can you bring that kid along and you'd have to get right. one probably in the first three or four rounds uh, uh, most definitely to 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 find a replacement for him that's just yet a that that's another reason why and look I'll, I'll end it with this I'm not we got plenty of time to talk about the draft and all yeah uh you do you, Deontay's gonna to have to do be become a lot more of a problem child than he is right now for me to think that this team's gonna move on move on for him from him during the offseason.
1: Sure. The only caveat I would add, and I want to move on and, and talk about, you know, some other stuff, um, his contract runs through twenty twenty four, correct? Right what happens after that does he get another deal and if you're not anticipating that do you try to get a year ahead of it to look for a receiver for a potential replacement for Deontay? there's there's a there's a lot more validity to sure. will pittsburgh pay him again than will pittsburgh hold on to him for 2024
2: sure I, I i you know i in no way shape or form do i think they're going to go to the bargaining table with him uh uh this offseason all right. So uh, and then you do have to start thinking ahead. So once again, if even if you do keep him, you could see this team double dip. Uh, and, and I know some people say, well, you got free agency. How many times have we seen this team make a significant add at the one? And look, you know, Omar Khan, obviously, you know, uh, 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 might might do things different here, but. I wouldn't expect and and even if you look at the free agent wide receivers out there or or, or uh expected guys out there this offseason, I, I, I wouldn't expect them to be big players in the top end of the list. I think you get another, you know, maybe you add add a low low value guy that you think can play multiple positions and all like that. The way you get ahead of it is just as we talked. you, you draft both the slot guy, a bigger slot guy, and you draft another X to develop, assuming that 2024 is going to be Deontay's last season. That's the way yeah. I envision them addressing this thing. Now, look, if you, if you, if you jettisoned Deontay, then you might have to think about, you know, Two in a draft and and a free agent, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, and we'll talk, you know, more about draft. I mean, I'm not saying they have to draft two or they will draft two, but it is a possibility. There are some needs inside and outside. Um, and yeah, trying to sign a free agent receiver first—they're so expensive because the market just gets so they get pushed up. you saw what Odell got paid or Christian Kirk got paid a couple years ago. They don't play that game. They draft, develop. That's what Pittsburgh mm. has always done with receivers, and we'll continue to do with receivers. They have a good eye, obviously, for uh for, for valuing those guys. Um, but but. To the point, Deontay will be a Steeler in 2024. I agree. All right, moving on. Some Steelers news we should mention as well. Uh, the NFL has finally announced the day and time of Pittsburgh's what week 15 game mm. against the Indianapolis Colts. That will be Saturday, December 16th at 4.30 p.m. So Pittsburgh will have two Saturday games this season, one on the 16th, and then the following week will be against the Bengals on Saturday, December 16th. 23rd that's been locked in since the schedule came out but uh a couple of Saturday Saturday games this year Dave
2: enjoy this uh Saturday one o'clock game (laughs) or Sunday one o'clock game coming up against the Cardinals Alex because we won't see the Steelers play on a Sunday again until they play the Seattle Seahawks on the road at the end of December in week 17 right
1: yeah, it's going to be a weird schedule. You got this game, Sunday's normal, then a Thursday game, and then you're coming up on your Saturday games uh, back-to-back, and then it's almost 2024. All right. Uh, one other just quick note here. I know it's not related to the actual Steelers, but actually this post became pretty popular on the site yesterday, so I figured we would mention it. Not set in stone, not confirmed, but all the reporting indicating that the Pittsburgh Maulers of the uh, now basically done with USFL because the USFL and the XFL have merged into a new league. Does not appear the Maulers will be part of that uh, that new league, and so it sounds like they're going to get you know frozen out here largely because they don't have a stadium to play in. They were playing in Canton, Ohio at Tom Benson Stadium. There was a Pittsburgh name team playing in Ohio. There was no place to put them, and so without a stadium, without kind of that draw, it was probably really hard for the Maulers to survive.
2: Overall, you know, my, my my overall takeaway first and foremost that's a shame. Uh B, what a great logo.
1: <laughs> you I, like the logo?
2: I really like the logo. Uh there's some nostalgia in there with me being older and obviously the older old, older Pittsburgh uh uh Maulers team. Uh my only real drill down on on all of this and, and the developmental leagues, and I've talked about this and I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this. Uh I sure wish there was a way they could have these players have association to NFL teams somehow, some way, I think it would really help the interest in the league. If, if, if it was like the old, old world, Europe league and all like that, you know, it's too bad that we, 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 that that league wasn't playing now with the access you have to all these games. Now Uh, I think it would force, people that cover the team and fans of the team to pay more attention to all of the, uh, 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 of, 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 this developmental league, uh, more if, you know, there were 10 players scattered around the league that say the steers had rights to, you know, mm-hmm. so that way you could go in and you could do film rooms and, and focus less on individual teams, especially being as you it doesn't look like you're going to have have one representing the Steelers this offseason I, I just wish there was a way that they could find find a way for for NFL teams to have stake in, in 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 you know an x amount of players
1: I mean I'm not opposed to that but the NFL is not going to pay for it they're not going to right. you know, have that cost in there so there was a way to just kind of just assign it and maybe it they good. should
2: maybe the NFL will end up taking this on you know
1: why would they want to that i mean this league's not going to make money these leagues don't make money only one football league makes money yeah. the nfl you know
2: yeah. and that's probably why you know we haven't ever seen any of these things survive you know right uh, i assume uh, that's
1: why these it, leagues are merging in the first sure place, sure not, it's all about spring leagues was not going to work
2: yeah just follow the money right you know yeah. uh for for sure but I, I i i do wish it if you know I do wish NFL, NFL teams were able to have some stake in this t- to some degree where they had like 10 players scattered around the league that we could track. I, yeah, I, no, I think I, I think it would help the, the viewership and all and the interest. Yeah.
1: I think it would. I don't know how much, but it certainly would not hurt. But anyway, that's the uh, the reporting again, not made official, but it seems very likely the Maulers are going to be no more. All right, all right Dave, let's uh, talk to our guest this week who covers the Arizona Cardinals for the Arizona Republic, that's Bob McManaman. You can follow him on Twitter at AZBobbyMac. I love that handle, (laughs) AZBobbyMac. We'll talk with Bob, longtime beat writer for the Arizona Cardinals, get his perspective on this new look Arizona team. Let's take a pause and come back with Bob.
2: And welcome back to the Terrible Podcast. It is Friday, and everybody knows what that means. It means we have a beat writer who covers the opposition on to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers' upcoming game. And with this being week 13, the Pittsburgh Steelers will be hosting the Arizona Cardinals at Acrisure Stadium on Sunday afternoon. And the Steelers obviously don't play the Arizona Cardinals very often. It's been, I think, four years since that happened. And that means it's been four years since we uh, have had our uh, guest uh, on the Terrible Podcast. I am, of course, talking about Bob McManaman. And Bob covers the Arizona Cardinals for the Arizona Republic. Uh, You can read his work at azcentral.com. You can follow Bob on Twitter slash X at azbobbymac. That's B-O-B-B-Y-M-A-C. Bob, been a while. Welcome back to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex on
0: this Friday. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. It was fun last time. I'm sure it'll be a blast this time, too. We look forward to it, and uh, look, uh, obviously,
2: the, the Arizona Cardinals are not having the kind of season that they they had hoped to have, uh, have some injuries there with, with Kyler Murray, obviously coming off his injury from last year, getting a slow start to this year. Let's just start with kind of a 30,000-foot uh, look at this Arizona Cardinals team uh, as, as as they sit right now you look at the offensive side of football they they're getting some things done on offense the defense you know had some injuries and all like that uh what's your kind of uh overview of this team heading into this week with the new head coach obviously and what's what's your overarching thoughts on this team right now
0: well they're, they're struggling to stay above water obviously at two and ten uh, they've uh they didn't have their their franchise quarterback until three weeks ago. Coming off of ACL, Kyler Murray. The defense was playing a lot better than expected, but stat wise, ranking wise, yards wise, points wise, they're getting torched. But they're they're almost in every single game. The last time they got blown out by the Rams, but they've been in every game. They've had chances. They've had leads in fourth quarters and have blown it. Uh It's a desperate team searching for answers, but they've hung together. Nobody's quit on each other. Usually you see that. I've covered bad teams here for a long time, going all the way back to 88. And this team has had no, uh, departures. They've they've all hung in. They've all got each other's backs and they do believe that they're going to get this turned around at, at some point whether it's next year or the year after remains to be seen, but it's not this year. They're a train wreck.
2: What's your, what's your thoughts on, on, on Jonathan Gannon and the job. I mean, obviously a daunting task and not having a franchise quarterback has been extremely tough and and they have had a lot of injuries and all, but what's your, what's your kind of, (coughs) you know, assessment of Jonathan Gannon uh, through, through what you've seen so far this season.
0: Well, he's honest with himself and his team and, and tries very hard to be honest with us. Uh, there's a lot of attention to detail. It's, it, he runs a tighter ship than Cliff Kingsbury ever thought he could. Um, there's mutual respect between the, the staff and the players, and that carries a lot of weight in the room. You talk to a veteran, uh, uh, a, a Tier 3 guy, a rookie, they all believe in the message that he's sent, which has sent to them since the beginning, which is, uh, team first, you second or third. Uh, get on this, on the team first slogan, or you're not going to be here. And that's what we've seen has happened. If if anybody has strayed, he he's whittled them out of the room already. And he and Monty Austin for it. I think that's important. I think the message has been clear and concise. But when you talk to people, they they believe in, in his methods. Uh, he's a first-time NFL head coach, yeah, and he's made mistakes, and he's quick to take the blame for most of it, even when it isn't his fault. He does own up, and that's accountability, and that's the big thing he's stressing on this team. It hadn't been there from top on to to the bottom, and it's there now. Uh, Is the results here? No. But you can see uh, the message is easy enough to buy into and if you just keep getting better and bring your A game every day to work you're going to get better as a team and and we're seeing that uh just, the just results aren't aren't ready because the roster isn't isn't there yet and it will be but it's it's a ways away
1: Bob, to go back to Kyler Murray, as you said, three starts off that 2022 torn ACL. How is he moving? Seems to be running around fine. Three rushing touchdowns. And is he the future for Jonathan Gannon? Is he going to be this this team's starting quarterback of the future? Or is it still kind of jury still out, wait and see on what piece he is for for the future of this franchise?
0: I think uh, they won't come out and say anything other than that he's their guy. Sure. Whether that's true or not. I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, why would you, why would you say that if, if you didn't believe it? Well, coaches and GMs say a lot of things they don't mean.
1: <laughs> yeah, ha- right now you have to say, it, but I just wonder, do you think that is reality? I,
0: I honestly think they have to keep every option on the table if they're going to end up with a second overall pick. You could do a lot of wonderful things at number two, considering the quarterbacks who are out there. Considering Marvin Harrison Jr. will be there we're all assuming these guys will come out for the draft. There's no reason to stay in college for these guys. Mm -hmm. So if you have the first or second, you've got to be looking at your options at quarterback. There's just no way you can't. And if you don't, if you do believe Kyler's your guy, I think that remains to be seen because he's still got five games left to play. And yeah, I know he's this is his fifth year. You should know by now. This is a new staff who hasn't been around him every day. They do love what he's doing, but I think th- these last five games are going to help determine which way they lean. And even if they make a decision after this last regular season game comes up, you, you never know. I mean, there's there's something that could jump out at a pro day or at the combine or during an interview with a guy. They're like, you know, wow, we we need to take a run at this guy. and may not come along again. And there's no guarantee that that guy's going to be your savior. Just like there's no guarantee Kyler's going to be a whole lot better than what he's already put out there on tape. He might. He does look great. I would agree with your assessment. He's moving fantastic. The knee's not on his mind. He's come back. He's 100% healthy. He's learning how to play in the new him, the new body that he has, and those legs, they haven't lost anything. If you've seen these guys play since he's been back, He didn't run hardly at all against the Rams. He did score a touchdown, as you said. But I think everything's on the the table for the Cardinals. And if it's not, then I would start to wonder about the direction they're going. Because you've got to be open to anything when you're this bad and you've been this bad for a while.
1: Two guys that Murray will be throwing to in this game, wide receiver, Michael Wilson, their speedster, their big play threat in tight end, Trey McBride. A just want to double check McBride. Is he going to play in this game? He's got that groin injury, but just give me the background on Wilson McBride. Maybe two guys that Sealer fans aren't going to be super familiar with, but two guys yeah. are making impact plays for this Cardinals offense.
0: Well, Wilson hasn't practiced for a while now with the shoulder thing. That's been lingering. And, uh, so I, I i can't say until today whether we'll know if he's in or not when the final no. report comes out but i'll say i'll say this that they love michael wilson kyler murray loves michael wilson he gets open he makes contested catches he's the tallest guy they have amongst their regulars anyways at 62 plays a little bigger than that everybody else they got is 57 <laughs> 59 mm. you know it's it's not ideal so that's why marvin harrison junior to me makes a whole lot of sense at 64 uh with speed but michael wilson is is a guy who's who's who had great start, stats to start the year became quickly involved and moved into a starting uh position right away uh as soon as he got acclimated to everything coming off his own injuries from college uh, he's going to be a keeper. He's going to be a long-term NFL player. Trey McBride is taking it to a whole nother level. Uh, and I think Zach Gertz wouldn't have asked for and been granted his release uh, had he not seen what Trey McBride has done in his absence, which is really take over the role of main pass catcher on this team uh, and and turn it into the quintessential tight end of this era, which is, Uh, a big guy who catches and gets big tough yards after the catch. and doesn't come down easy. And he is on a streak. The last five games, the numbers are staggering for a tight end since they never really work here until Zach Gertz got here, but then he got hurt. Uh, Kyler got hurt, but Trey McBride is, is kicking it and he's doing a fantastic job. And, uh, he, he has practiced yesterday on a limited basis. He's dealing with a groin issue. Uh, I expect Trey to play, but I can't say the same about Michael. I, I really doubt he's going to play Sunday, which is a shame because they need him.
2: Interesting. Uh, Paris Johnson, obviously, uh, uh, you know, top pick in the draft for, for Arizona, uh, played, uh, I think a lot of left tackle over there at Ohio state. They have him over at the right tackle spot. Uh, seems like he's acclimated pretty good over there. uh, He's he's obviously gonna play right tackle in this game against the Steelers. Is the long term plan for him, do you think, to to eventually switch uh, over to left tackle? And what's your what's your overall assessment of Paris Johnson so far?
0: I think when, when they drafted him, that was gonna be, yeah, play here. We thought he might even play at left guard because he has done that in the past, because they need they needed somebody to step in at left guard. But he's he's held down the right right from the start uh, since the beginning of OTAs, uh, it's been him starting ahead of a guy named Kelvin beach. And you guys probably, oh yeah, with...
2: good, good guy, Kelvin. Yeah, He's
0: He was the only guy that started every single game on the line last year at right tackle. And, and this kid beat him out. I mean, beat him out in OTAs. That's tough to do uh, when you usually split reps, but. He's been there from the start. I don't even know if they, they really feel they have to move in the left tackle. I think what they'll end up doing, guys, is drafting another tackle uh, uh, just to get themselves ready for DJ Humphrey's eventual departure, which which could happen sooner than we think.
2: Uh, This team runs a lot of 13 personnel, a lot of three tight ends on the field. And when they don't, they run two tight ends on the field. So I think we're going to see a heavy dose of two or three tight ends in this game, they like to run to the right side. James Conner is doing James Conner thing. Mike Tomlin gave him a lot of praise uh, during his press conference. And and look, this is a guy you can't let run downhill on you. Uh, everything, I think, builds off of their running game, right? They and, and 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 to their credit, they have run the football pretty good this year.
0: Yeah, they've been a top 10 running team all year, which is hard to say, see for a 2-10 and 10 team, but they, they haven't fallen out of that top 10 spot. I think they're at 10th right now, but they get a lot of explosive plays. Uh, they're getting more now that Kyler's back. Uh, although, again, he only ran one time last last week. Right. Problem is, last week, they, they only ran 15 times total. James Conner only had six carries for 27. And that's just, that's just not enough. You've got to feed him the ball. They came into the season knowing they were going to be a power-running team. Uh, Murray, was when he got back, would play more under center to open up the offensive playbook. That hasn't been the case. He's 90% out of, out of the gun, and I, I think that defeats a lot of things. Now, granted, when you're in a shotgun, you can confuse the defense on some stuff, but you you eliminate your playbook, and it's not as easy to give Connor the ball out of the shotgun. It's, it's not conducive to his running style. I think under center is the way to go. I think they need to feed him the ball 20 to 25 times. He's He can handle it. Yeah, he he does break down with injuries, but nothing major. Thank goodness. Just here and there, nicks. And, you know, uh, I, I still think they've got to feed him the ball, especially this week. He is motivated to go back home right. for a lot of different reasons. Uh, he had a great run with the Steelers. Obviously went to Pitt, grew up in Erie this is going to be a game where you got to feature him and you got to let him just enjoy it. And when he's running with attitude <laughs> and you guys have seen that, right? Mm-hmm. he he lifts uh, an entire team up, even a bad two and 10 Cardinals team. He, he still does it. He's a master motivator for the, for this group. And I think you got to reward that by feeding him the ball until he's just tuckered out and, if they don't do it, they're going to lose worse than what I already have them losing.
2: <laughs> real, 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 quick before I turn it over to Alex for for some defense questions. It don't look it, on the on the all twenty two of the last couple of games that I've watched. They don't use a lot of motion, do, do they? And and is that a kind of a topic of, of conversation with them, uh, and and possibly using more motion?
0: They do it from time to time. It's nothing like you'll see out of a Kyle Shanahan offense uh, for sure. I think it would behoove them to use it a lot more. Uh, it hasn't been a topic of conversation because there's way too many other things to grill this team on and about. So <laughs> thanks for giving me a great idea, though.
1: <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, Bob, talking about the, the Cardinals front seven, Zaven Collins was a really interesting name when he came out of Tulsa. How has he progressed? Has he kind of found a role the way that Isaiah Simmons was not able to in Arizona? I know there's always kind of been an awkward fit about is he off-ball guys, edge rusher. What is he doing for Arizona right now?
0: Yeah, I hope he turns out to have a, a better chance than Isaiah did because I I just think Isaiah was thrown way too much at, even though he did it all at Clemson in college. It, it just uh, Zayvin is a thinking man's football player for a defensive guy, and and for that reason mainly and his body size and type. He he sure looked like he was going to be a, a great interior line linebacker, or a middle linebacker guy. Uh but again, I think they threw too much at him too soon. And now he's in a position change and he, they push him put him up on the line as an outside edge guy, outside backer in this defense. Uh and and he's he's had moments uh not consistent but this team as a group can get after the quarterback. They have as many sacks as the Steelers do. <laughs> I just, I, we told just Alex, about that.
2: I told Alex before we jumped on to Damn. I said, look, you look at this team. This team's got as many sacks, uh, yeah. as the Steelers. Now they're scattered about, but, uh, they, they are, they're, they're, they're putting the quarterback to the ground.
0: Yeah. And they're, and they're disruptive and they don't force as many turnovers as the Steelers do. Uh, uh, but but they are disruptive, and and Zay was a big part of that. He's still look he's a first year edge rusher in his third year in the league, I want to say, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, you need a bag of tricks as an edge rusher. Everybody knows the more you play it, the more wiser you'll become in your pass rushing moves. He's a he's a different kind of body for that position, but we've seen guys uh in in that kind of body type succeed very well uh some of them don't he just needs to come up with some more pass rushing moves he doesn't have anybody now he can lean on and he did have jj watt but he was playing a different position when jj was here so it's i think he needs a, a lot more coaching and and develop some of those intangibles with pass rushing moves and kind of overcome some of the things because maybe he's not the strongest, even though he's he's Herculean type looks. He's just not as big as other guys. Um uh, it's not to say I don't think he he will won't succeed. I think he will, but he needs he needs some help. He needs some experience and he needs somebody that can say, here's some of the tricks of the trade. Try this. Take this and and use it your own way to to become successful. Uh, Isaiah didn't have that. I hope this guy gets it.
1: Sticking with the Cardinals pass rush. Their, uh, leader is, is Dennis Gardek. And, and I think he's one of the more underrated pass rushers in football that people just don't know. Although his career's kind of been a bit strange where he's had years yeah. where there's been sacks and years where there's been none. He's got five this year. What's his backstory and why are the sack numbers kind of waxed and waned throughout his career?
0: He's, uh, he's certainly the underdog of this defense, uh, Undrafted rookie free agent who who made it as special teams. And, and it reminds me so much of a fullback they had here who's now their radio color analyst, Ron Wolfley, wow. who, who just excelled on special teams, owned it, made it his bread and butter, didn't want to switch away from it even when he was actively running with the offense. Mm-hmm. Dennis is the same thing. He is all in on football. And wants to hit people <laughs> and, and it's, it's when you, when you have that special teams grave to go down the field and crush somebody uh, and then you put them up and let them go after the quarterback, you're feeding the hungry dog, man. And that's who this guy is. <laughs> he is underrated. He is the underdog. I don't know how he gets to the quarterback. Sometimes. I mean, even when he doesn't, he's, he's disruptive. Uh, he'll get hurries and hits. And he'll change a he'll chase a quarterback out out of the pocket and force him into mistakes. He he does all the little things right, and you know it, it, it's a miraculous. It's a it's a it's an underdog story. The guy, I mean, you don't see many undrafted rookie free agents come in and and do what he was able to do. He, you know, even if it was for a bad team, he's he again is a he's an emotional leader. He's a lot like Connor in that realm uh and they're lucky to have him and you know Mm -hmm. i thought he might get cut just because they would they've got all this money they could use but the slow rebuild has been the way to go and they and they're right uh it's keeping what you have he's a core veteran guy uh and and those are useful pieces to any team win or lose
1: and he's a max effort dude i think he Ran down Tank Dell against Houston a couple weeks ago, dropping the uh, coverage yeah. and, and chased yeah. him down. So I love watching that guy. My last question for you, then I'll have Dave finish things up. Uh, Matt Prater, he's got a big leg at 39 still. Th- does his leg change the Cardinals' approach? I watched that Rams game end of the first half. They're running the ball late in that two-minute drill to set up the field goal. Th- does Prater's leg kind of maybe change how they... It seems to to extend their field goal range beyond where other teams normally sit at.
0: You're, you're you're exactly right. And Here's the problem with that: it should have changed their approach. But this team goes for it on fourth down way too much, and they're not very good at it. Now, mm-hmm. now so that the Kyler's analytics back,
1: thing, or why, why do you think yeah, that, that is?
0: I, I I do, and I okay. think analytics are fine. They're better in baseball than they are in football.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: when you have a leg, you just said it. I mean, you you, you said it. Prater's leg is at that age is still a strong if not stronger than anybody else in this league.
1: Right. Why
0: go it on fourth and 5 or fourth and 3 you know when you know he's going to kick a 50-yard field goal. I mean the guy has 16 or 17 of those since he's been on the team and it's only been a couple 3 years. He he's got five or six or seven already. He he made he made one the other day and it got uh against the Rams and you you called it 56 yarder and it gets waved off because of a holding call. Uh, he's automatic. Don't don't go for it. Let your kicker kick and take the points and be happy. You got anything. In my opinion. They're, they're banged up at the
2: cornerback position, aren't they? And Starling Thomas is a guy that we, uh, uh, we thought the Steelers might have a little bit interest in. Uh, I think he's banged up. I'm not sure if he's going to play. And I think Anto- What what's the deal with Antonio Hamilton on, on the other side? Uh, everybody knows Buda Baker, and, and they've got some talent in the, in the very back end and the safeties with Jalen Thompson and, and Buda Baker. So there's no, no concern there. But it sounds like there might be some concern uh, at, at, at the cornerback position this weekend.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're, they're not only banged up, they're not very good, uh, sadly. Starling is a pretty interesting rookie pick, and I do I do like some of the talent there, but they're young. Keithell Clark, Starling, Thomas, the fifth, and Garrett Williams, another rookie. That's three rookies, by the way, and they're all getting a healthy amount of playing time. Yeah, I think those three guys all started last week and they were among six rookies starting overall, which is unheard of. Mm. Uh, but it does happen. Uh, yeah, Antonio Hamilton is the is by far the the veteran of the group, but he's dealing with a groin injury. hasn't practiced the last two days. Uh, I don't know. I don't think he's going to make it for this game. If if he doesn't, you know, Starling hasn't practiced with an ankle the last two days. Um, Jalen Thompson is banged up with ribs. Uh, yeah, God love Buddha Baker because he's. He's a savior on the back end and talk about tracking guys down after big plays. This guy would move anywhere to get a ball carrier down, but they've got talent there, but it's young and it's, it's, it's totally inexperienced and it's banged up and it's hurt. So Kenny Pickett, welcome to a 300 yard game.
2: <laughs> you think so, huh? No, might, I
0: don't. <laughs>
2: they might, they might build a statue for him outside of sure if he, if he, if he does that. But uh, just manage
0: uh, that game. Yeah, just manage the game, and you'll be fine.
2: Yeah. All right, uh, Bob. We got to get you out of here because we know you're a busy man. Uh, how about a you? You, know, you want to do a prediction for us for this game, or do you want to keep that to yourself? Sure how, do you see, no. how, how How do you see this one going on Sunday?
0: I think it's going to be a great game, low scoring. Anybody can win this. Yes, the Cardinals even have a chance, but they're not going to. <laughs> they're going to lose. They're going to lose by three or ten. So you know, however you want it, twenty three seventeen. Let's say.
2: All uh, right, sounds good, Bob. You're absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's, a sh- you. it's a shame that uh, we can't have you on uh, more. Uh, who knows? You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see down the road here. But uh, thanks again for coming on the terrible podcast with Dave and Alex.
0: It's a great one. Thanks for having me.
1: And welcome back to the Terrible Podcast. Again, our special thanks to Bob McManaman. You can follow him on Twitter at AZBobbyMax, the senior sports writer for the Arizona Republic and all-around good guy. Good catching up with Bob, Dave.
2: It was, and, you know, it's been four years since we talked to him, and I sent him an email. He responded right away. He says, sure, I'll come back on with you guys. So uh, that th- that means a lot, and as I told Alex after we got off the uh, call with him, uh, uh, Bob seems like a guy you'd like to, even though I don't drink anymore and I don't think you'd drink, you it got to go out and get a beer with there. So just a longtime beat writer. We've had several of those uh, this year that we don't normally get to talk to on, and the way you can help us out. Uh, uh, the best to make sure we continue to get guys like uh, Bob McMahon man on is to reach out to him on, on the Twitter machine or email or, 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 you know, however you, you deem it possible. Just thank him, wish him happy holidays and let him know that you heard him on, on, on the terrible podcast. So it was good to uh, uh, catch up with him again.
1: For sure. And again, that Twitter handle to reach out is AZ Bobby Mac. All right, Dave, let's you and I preview this game, Arizona two and 10. Coming to town, have won just one game since October, but Kyler Murray is back. He started the last three games. They're one and two over that span, and so they've been a bit more competitive lately, and they have, of course, their starting quarterback back, which is which is huge for them. Um, what is your impression of this Cardinals offense when you look at it, their run game? I think it's still something to be reckoned with, even though, as Bob said, they're 2-10. and 10, They are committed, and they are running the ball well.
2: Look, uh, I didn't know what uh, what to expect. I obviously haven't watched a lot of Arizona games leading up to this week. Uh, turned on the tape, though, especially with Ky- Ky- Kyler Murray back. Uh they're doing a lot of uh good things on on the offensive side of football now. I think they're obviously you know struggling in 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 situational areas here, but at its core, now look, they don't I don't think they use a lot of motion uh overall. In fact, I'm looking at some stats right now. Uh 41% usage, but it ranks 27th in the league overall. If I'm reading this correctly here, uh, they lean heavy on the run. They got a, uh, obviously a big back in James Conner. They like to use a lot of tight ends in their offense, 13 personnel. They have used 15% of the time uh, this season. That's uh, second Overall, I think in the NFL heading into this week and when they're not using 13 personnel, they'll at least have two tight ends on the field. Uh, they've done that 26% of the time, good for seventeenth overall, uh, percentage ranking, uh, in the NFL. So that adds up to about 41% of their offensive plays include two or more tight ends, uh, I mean, they've they they they've they've got they you know they've got a couple of I mean, they've got enough of them that they let Zach Ertz uh they're not gonna bring him back from IR. They released him outright just uh just yesterday there. So uh Trey McBride, gonna be interesting to see the injury status on him. But uh once again, you're gonna see a lot of heavy, heavy formational looks with them. A lot of runs probably to the right side. Uh they will uh they will run some they'll, they'll get multiple linemen out on the move they'll they'll do some pin and pull uh they like running running some power so, some counters and all like that so this is an offense that's built off of the run uh and 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 then they they'll try to mix in their shot plays off of that
1: And with one of their starting receivers, Michael Wilson, looking unlikely to play in this game, as Bob mentioned, they're going to probably be in 13 personnel even more just to get their big guys out there. And so, you know, the tight ends aren't all household names McBride has, I think played really well for them Uh, behind them is Jeff Swain, Elijah Higgins, who's a former receiver at Stanford kind of converted H back type of guy, but Pittsburgh's going to be in their base defense quite a bit and against 13 personnel specifically, Pittsburgh has either been going to their 4-4 defense with four down true and blue defense alignment or a three safety, one cornerback package, three, four with three safeties in, in one corner to match on that one receiver. So um, you may see, you know, uh, that's why Minka coming back could be huge in this one. So you get him and Trent Thompson, maybe Casey out there and really kind of have uh, some of your, your better DBs out on the field. Uh, James Conner, as you said, he you know he he's run really hard. I was watching that Rams game. He's just you know yards after contact and creating, and he's averaging five point one yards per carry this year. That's a career high for him. So for a team that is usually playing from behind, they are committed on first down. They are very balanced. They have a, exactly a fifty percent split on first down this year in terms of rush pass. It's exactly fifty percent. So um, they are trying to at least stay on schedule and try to establish the run, and they have. The problem is just they fall behind and they have to start passing the ball.
2: Yeah. And uh, James Conner, they used a little bit in the passing game, especially in that game against the Rams. And, and come to find out, he only has 14 catches on the season. Uh, I kind of thought. And look, James Conner showed during his time in Pittsburgh, he could catch the ball out of the backfield. You know, so. Yeah.
1: He missed. How many games did he miss? He missed a little bit of time. It wasn't was it a month. Was it, he going IR It's a month that he missed? He's played in eight games this year, but still you would expect more than 14 receptions and averaging 2.6 yards per catch, which is a pretty low number. Right.
2: Uh, As as far as the rest of their offense goes overall, uh, I, I, they need to stay out of uh, third down situations because uh, I, I think they've struggled a little bit when it comes to their 35.3% overall. Uh, you want to get in a situation as a defense where uh, you can kind of pin your ears back and uh, look, you have to have contain. You have to have responsible rush uh, with a guy like Kyler Murray, because he will take off with the football. Uh, I, he doesn't, in key situations i don't know if this stuck out uh, on, on tape with you though but uh, in in got to have it kind of situation his accuracy uh not all that great uh no. overall and he he tried to run himself into a sack he's he's a guy that that i think he trusts his, his health right now but but overall but i think there's some some instances where he probably should have taken off with the football that he has not or at least fully committed. And look, he's a guy that can, we we've seen this in the past. And in fact, he didn't that last game against the Steelers. he run around on one of those plays like for nine seconds or something, uh, mm-hmm, uh, uh, back there, but he is a guy that's going to try to expense, extend a play, uh, his, he, you know, his, his, he's still got that elusiveness. You better have responsible rushing with him. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you probably going to have to, play a, you know, have, have your, have your face towards him. Probably not going to see a lot of man from the Steelers unless you get into, you know, third down or second down type situation uh, uh, with some shorter yardage overall, but there's two guys or really three guys. Uh, particularly uh, in, in the early down instances you have to concern yourself with James Conner running the football, uh, their use of Trey McBride in in a shorter controlled passing game and then you make sure you contain, you know, Ky- Kyler Murray.
1: Yeah, I would say the biggest thing on Murray is that he looks healthy coming off that 2022 ACL tear. He's running. Bob talked about it. he seems confident. There is that even that mental hurdle that some guys will have when they come back from severe knee injuries like that. He seems to have not he's gotten past that, at least on, on tape, it looks like. So he's running. He's got three rushing touchdowns has more rushing touchdowns than passing touchdowns since he's come back. He's got three of those, some read option stuff on the goal line. They're going to Y-Arc and get a lead blocker for him if he wants to to keep the football. So that design run game and situational football, you know, goal line, short yardage is going to be important. They ran a push push on a two-point play against the Rams with the, the backup quarterback, Clayton Toon. So they got some short yardage-type stuff that they're pretty effective at um, overall. But yeah, containing him is going to be a key. Rush lane integrity is going to be critical in this one. Um, I, I would also just note, you know, not, not, not that he's, not that he's a big player in the offense, but I was a big fan of Rondo Moore when he came out of Purdue and All he's right. kind of a gadget guy, RPO guy. They're going to run a bunch of RPOs in this game, try to get him in space, got to tackle that guy well in space because if you make, if he makes a guy miss, he may, uh, you know, do some damage
2: their tackles are better than their interior players obviously have paris johnson at right tackle and a veteran in dj humphreys uh over there at left tackle there uh pretty favorable matchup for for alex highsmith though i think over on that side uh but they're 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 three interior guys of uh cologne froholt and will hernandez that's that's where you would expect the Steelers front to win in here, man. Uh, uh, I would expect Cameron Hay- Hayward to have a pr- pretty good day. Uh, Benton versus uh, uh, Froholtz favorable. I, I would envision uh, Joby against a guy like Will Hernandez is favorable. Uh, they come off of blocks way too easy. I, I-, I feel they're they're better. Uh, they're b- they're a better running team when they can get those guys moving and out on the edge. I think.
1: I don't know. They got some big people. Hernandez is a huge dude at right guard. He was like three forty coming out of Fresno State, and he's kind of always been that, you know, phone booth type blocker. They got some big people though, so that's that's why they run the ball well because I think they're kind of built to do that type of stuff. But you know, for Pittsburgh, since Cam Hayward's come back, they have been you know top ten run defense. So that that's going to be the trenches is where this game's going to be won, uh, offensively defensively when it comes to Arizona's offense against Pittsburgh's defense yeah. in this one.
2: Yeah, much like the. uh, uh, the Steelers game plan every every week, and especially last <laughs> week against uh, the Bengals. Uh, they're they're going to be focused on, on shutting down the run. Let's see here. Uh, uh, directionally for the offense, running the football, uh, right in. Let's see if I can pull up uh, the ranks here. Man, left in, left tackle, first and second in the league directionally. Hmm uh there eight eight point four four yards per carry on oh, wow. runs to left end.
1: How many That's attempts?
2: Thirty-nine.
1: Okay, so pretty healthy sample size. Yeah. Uh
2: thirty-four attempts at uh going to left tackle, six point nine one yards, ranked second in the NFL uh when it comes to directionally that way. Those seem to be their They're, they're two strongest run area now off left guard last in the league, just 16 runs to left guard averaging 2.5 yards per carry. They're kind of a middling team though, running every other direction. So, uh, you, the, the plays that I watch, you know, they, they seem to be more right-handed uh, overall, and they are more of a right-handed team, right? Tackle 40 runs, 54 runs, uh, uh, to the right end. Uh, and the rest of the time they're running high diddle diddle James Connor up the middle, <laughs> 95 times up the middle with James Connor mm. 4.0, not with James Connor specifically, but yeah. nine, 95 times in total 4.05 yards per carry. So you gotta be tough up the gut against them and probably on the edges. Just but but, ord- but just I mean top to bottom, the statistically success rates and EPA, they're they're good on the ground.
1: Yeah, I mean I know it's more basic stat, but they're 5.1 yards per carry is third in the NFL, only behind Baltimore and Miami. You know you wouldn't associate Arizona with those teams, but they're right up there. Just two other quick notes on the offense uh, play action. They're going to move the launch point. Of He's going to boot out, and they're going to roll him out and. Uh, run some play action, and so they're going to do some things to get him designed on the move and try to get some play action to try to uncork some deep shots downfield, although without Wilson. You may see some more targets. Hollywood Browns way their top receiver on the year. And then, as I mentioned the Bob, their kicker, Matt Prater, has got a cannon for a leg. He, you know, he has the NFL record for most field goals of 60-plus yards. It's not Justin wow. Tucker. It's not Janikowski. Matt Prater has four career makes at 60 plus yards including a 64 yarder which was the record for the nfl before tucker broke it two years ago from 66 to beat detroit um so their field goal range i know they are going to be on the road in pittsburgh it's not going to be like they're in arizona and that's going to be a difference um but the weather in pittsburgh does not seem to be terrible this weekend and so prater's got a leg where you know 55 he can make it
2: here's the thing too with their offense uh uh and their defense really overall their 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 field position they have not been great in field position starting field position uh this this year and uh opposing uh uh starting field position against them has been way too strong now facing it and 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 offense and you know we talked to Bob about how they they've they've seemed to uh uh Go for it quite a bit on fourth down uh, this year. I I, I envision them maybe getting away from that uh, this week. We, you know, especially against an offense like the Steelers that hasn't really shown yet that they can put points up on the board uh, overall. Uh, they would be wise, I think, to to play a strong field position game in this one.
1: Yeah, I imagine that's one reason why they're they're struggling. And I'm guessing they go for it on fourth down so much because when when you're when you're two and ten, you're probably in situations where you have to go for it on fourth down. So I don't know what the analytics are. I don't know if they're more aggressive early on. I have to do some more research on that. But that maybe just be a product of when you're two and ten. You know, you're going for it on fourth down more than probably you would like to.
2: Didn't they have a fake punt against Rams?
1: Did or they? I don't know fake, if I checked fake, that or not. Fake something. I'd have to go back and, and check. I didn't uh, get a chance to to look at that.
2: But look, this is a this is one of those teams that's out of the playoff picture, so anything goes right now.
1: Yeah. And and, and again, I mean, they're they're two and ten, but you know, they started Dobbs and they had that terrible game with Clayton too, and they got they got the quarterback back. And so really it's kinda like, okay, what have they done the last three games? And the results have not been tremendous, but the results have been better.
2: Right. Look, they they're, they're going to try to run the football and build everything off of that. a uh, lot, lot of heavy uh, personnel groupings, like we said. Be careful with Hall ho- Hollywood Brown get behind you, you know.
1: Yeah. All right, Dave, when it comes to the Cardinals' defense, what sticks out to you?
2: The most amazing fact that we got to giggle about with Bob there, we talked about it before we got on with Bob is uh they have the same amount of sacks as the Steelers do uh, <laughs> uh, right now, so they're doing something right in that. I don't think they—they're not a heavy blitz team either, at least from what I saw. So uh, they're getting it done with some of those guys up uh, 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 up front there, and they're—they're—they're not—they're not blue chip, known known guys up front either you know, and you talked about Gardeck and, and, you know, Zayvon Collins, obviously a form, former first rounder, uh, their, their sacks have come kind of scattered out throughout the, uh, the whole defense there. Uh, they're not very good against the run boy. The, 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 uh, the Rams were really able to get a good footing with their run game on them, uh, uh, between the tackles, it seemed like. So this is a team that I think you come out and, Man, I mean, Josh Woods and, 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 and Chris Barnes, they're inside linebackers. And uh, I think Gardick was on the ground a couple of times. They're just not great against the run overall. So th- that plays right into the Steelers' uh, wheelhouse, if you will. The Steelers should be expected to run the football on these guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know maybe you can't always expect to run for a buck fifty in a game, but Pittsburgh should run for a buck fifty in this game. they done it each of the last four games, and Arizona is as ripe for the picking as as any team in the football. They lost Kaiser White at off ball linebacker; he was their leading tackler, their guy. So yeah, they had to go to Woods and Barnes. They play this five one front um, in their nickel packages quite a bit, with five you know defensive linemen and then one off ball linebacker in Woods. And so if you can get past that first level into the second level, where there's one off ball linebacker. You're gonna have some daylight. So they may may make some plays up front. They got some pluggers up, uh, up against the run. Lopez in the middle, but um get past that first level. There's gonna be daylight for the for the running game.
2: As seems to be the trend, more than anything, they play a lot of zone uh overall, seventy-two percent uh, as a defense, ranked sixth in the NFL, uh, with their corner situation being what it is, like we talked with Bob. That's probably gonna facilitate uh more zone, play into the fact that the Steelers have had their issues with zone. Uh I expect a lot of a lot of zone in this one.
1: You know what they play a lot of, Dave? Uh
2: cover four or six, right?
1: I was making a joke. They play a lot of people. They've had 26 players play the more than 50 defensive snaps. They've had 32 people play at least one defensive snap this season. Imagine charting the Cardinals Mm. defense. Oh, you shudder at the thought Pittsburgh played a lot of people too, but not as many as the Cardinals. So I don't know if that's injury related or just kind of a rebuilding team, but it's, it's a lot of people, some names that aren't super recognizable overall. You're right. They're not, they're not a blitz heavy team. Uh, The stats back that up, but in third down situations, they go amoeba defense, they go old school One down lineman, no down lineman. They're going to bring blitzes and DBs that way. They got eight guys with at least two sacks this season, and so they bring it from different people. They're not blitz heavy overall, but on third down, they're going to try to create some chaos looks up front. Look,
2: Buddha, Buddha's still there in that defense, and he's a very smart guy. So, uh, you know, you got to be careful in the passing game with him. It's going to be really, really interesting to see how their corner situation uh, uh, shakes out here. because Starling Thomas is banged up, Antonio Hamilton's banged up. Uh, their nickel Garrett Wilson is a rookie, I believe. Or Garrett Williams is a rookie. Uh, what you know? Uh, key, how much is Keytril Clark uh, going to have to play in this game as well, too? Uh, I w- I would think that because of that, you're going to see them. You know, they do a lot of light boxes. I think overall.
1: Yeah, I don't know the exact rate. I think the NFL has shifted towards a lot of too high stuff, um, but they've been run on. So I think you probably, you know, maybe indicative of that. It's a it's a really young secondary. Jalen Thompson's 25. Marker Wilson's 24. Keetra Clark is 22 against some injuries there. Thompson's played well, though. Shout out. He was the old supplemental pick back in 2019. So you don't see too many of those guys still. Hang, you don't even see the supplemental draft exist anymore, hardly. But um, you know, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna play this weekend. He's the leading interception guy with three of them, and uh, him and Boot is a pretty good safety combination.
2: All right. So uh, look, you you should be able to pass the football in this game when you need to. Just make sure you stay in more of those third and shorter uh, situations
1: yeah i I thought i had a couple other just quick notes um in terms of two minute drills they seem to allow the sideline throws much more than you would think the rams were kind of just hitting easy 10 yard gains along the sideline in in two minute situations last week which was interesting do i have any other notes here um no not really overall but uh yeah watch out for those amoeba fronts on third down but the other numbers mean opposing quarterbacks are completing 70 percent of their passes that's gonna be the worst figure since twenty nineteen. They're the worst third down defense in football at forty seven percent. So I mean the numbers are not looking good. They're two and ten for a lot of reasons, but that defense, I mean, they've allowed they've allowed at least twenty points in eleven to twelve games this year. Um and so Pittsburgh, you know, better put up some points in this one.
2: Boy Sean McVay was in his bag against them as well too. Even tried some uh sucker uh, sucker routes against them where they motion, uh, sort of what what the what the Eagles did to the uh to to the Steelers back in that game, uh, last year, where they will send a guy in motion and it looks like it might be an RPO quick to to the guy going in motion and you have your 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 receivers uh releasing and acting like they're gonna block, but one of them doesn't block and runs an out and up. Now they they mm. actually uh they I, I think I th- I think the the Cardinals covered that. That that particular one pretty well, but uh, just in the whole, I I thought McVay and that Rams offense called a great game against them. They struggled with some motions and 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 looked like they had some communication issues because of all the players that they're having to shuffle out there.
1: One other thing I should mention, what could work, the screen game. Houston hit him on a second and 20 receiver tunnel screen for a first down. The Rams were hitting running back screens all day. They got a touchdown, like wide open walk-in touchdown almost off a running back screen against some of those blitz looks on third down, just kind of an aggressive defense overall. Um, I think, you know, I know Pittsburgh's been very iffy with the screen game, but it could work on some well time calls uh, this weekend.
2: Look, long story short, we expect the Pittsburgh offense to move the football in this game.
1: I know we said it before, but uh, yep. you know, based on the encouraging results and foundations set against Cincinnati and based on the opponent, the expectation, there should actually be a pretty high expectation for this offense, yep. maybe the first time all season.
2: Yep. And better score some points.
1: Yep. All right, Dave, I think that's a good coverage of the Cardinals. Make our picks here in just a moment. But before we do that, let's hear from our friends over at My Bookie. Alex, if you found
2: a $100 bill on the ground, you wouldn't walk past it, so don't pass up a chance at easy cash with MyBookie. bookie has the biggest online selection of odds and contests to fill all your sports betting needs anytime, anywhere, so you can turn that sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Bet on the NFL, college bowl games, or play for a share of big cash prizes in the weekly blackjack tournaments that they have. If you've been waiting for the right time to get in on the action, that time is right now. Make your winning move today. Sign up at MyBookie. Use our promo code TERRIBLE. And claim your deposit match redeemable up to $1,000. Again, that's promo code TERRIBLE to claim your bonus. Experience the thrill of sports betting right from the comfort of your own home. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. And obviously, you can go and find him at MyBookie.ag.
1: And I think, am I one to know? I think You're I want to know. I, yeah. I meant... Looking back, I meant to say I was going to take Dallas last night. I wrote Seattle, not even just I was so busy last night. So I my, my I lucked myself into picking the right outcome, I guess. Good, uh, good game, uh, really uh, high scoring game.
2: I'm going to rule that as an L for you then. <laughs> you, uh, you, you, feel you're, free. you're too forthcoming. No, you're 1-0 <laughs> there. I took Dallas minus the 9.5. And, and boy, Dallas got lucky to pull that one out, right? You know, yeah. Uh overall there. Seattle's in trouble now with the record that they have. But you're one to know I'm 0-1. Now let's get into this week's game. Games. Los Angeles Chargers on the road against the New England Patriots. The Chargers on the road, uh laying five and a half. Uh Bill Belichick quarterbacking for this one.
1: I like the graphic you tweeted out that Amazon had last night of the next week's matchup. It's Bill Belichick versus TJ Watt. I like oh, Watt's chances on, I do on the, on the too. rush. Um, yeah, I know Bailey Zappi is going to be the starting quarterback. Matt Jones, um, appears to have been benched. And so that's going to be important for Pittsburgh fans to know for next week. The Chargers know how to charge her and they keep things close. So they choke away games, but the town's going to win out. I got the Chargers in this one.
2: I'll take the Chargers late a five and a half on the road against the England. Detroit lions, uh, on the road against the new Orleans saints. The lions are four point road favorites coming off of that loss to green Bay. Right.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to bounce. I'm going to, uh, excuse me, I'm going to count on Dan Campbell to uh, get this team to bounce back. So give me Detroit.
2: I'll hold your hand walk with you on these first two. I'll take the Lions, lay the four. Uh, Tennessee Titans are hosting the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Colts one-point
1: road favorites, according to my bookie. Could go either way. A little bit of Minshew going on. I'll, I'll go with without Taylor. Ah, eh, give me Tennessee. Never mind.
2: I'm with you. I'll take Tennessee uh, at home to upset the uh, the Colts here. The Houston, this ought to be a pretty good one. Houston Texans are hosting the Denver Broncos. Texans are three-point home favorites against the Broncos. Both teams need this game.
1: They do, and credit to Denver and Sean Payton. Turn around that one-and-four team, but I've been on Houston. I'll continue to be on Houston. Give me the Texans.
2: And I want to go different from you, but but I can't. I'm going to take the Texans, lay the three points in this one at home against the Broncos as well. Uh, Let's see. We have the Atlanta Falcons on the road against the Jets. I know you'll have this one queued up on another Mm -hmm. TV here, uh, Alex, on on Sunday. Uh, The Falcons, two-point road favorites.
1: Tim Boyle versus Desmond Ritter. Where do I sign up? I will take the Falcons.
2: I'll take the Jets in this one for an upset. Uh, give me the two points there in that one. Uh, Miami Dolphins on the road against the Washington Commanders. Uh, Dolphins laying nine and a half on the road. One of those nine, another one of those nine and a half games.
1: Yeah, it's a big line, but I got to go Miami there, Dave.
2: I'm going to have Miami winning this, uh, that nine and a half. I, I, I learned my lesson with the Cowboys here <laughs> to, uh, on, on Thursday night. I won't get beat again like that. Give me the commanders plus the nine and a half, but I'll take the dolphins to win that outright. Carolina Panthers on the road against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buccaneers at home laying five. What do you think about, uh, what's happening over there in Carolina?
1: Nothing good. They're going through coaches, like go through socks. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know who wants to be the coach of the Panthers. They'll find somebody. But I don't know why Ben Johnson would want to go to Carolina when they're just firing coaches, you know, back-to-back years. And Frank Wright gets fired 11 games in. David Tepper seems like one of those owners that's mm-hmm. tough to please. That's for sure. But I think they get the the interim head coach bounce with Chris Tabor. I'm going to go Carolina in this one.
2: I'm not. I'm going to go Tampa. i five points uh, at home against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, probably going to have to start Joe Flacco in this one, uh, on the road against the Los Angeles Rams who looked, uh, is Kevin Dotson going to make all pro?
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess He's, I guess still graded out as one of the top guards this year, right?
2: Yeah. He looked pretty good on tape on that Rams tape versus the Cardinals there, uh, as well. The Rams at home laying three and a half against Cleveland.
1: Dotson probably still won't be all pro because some of that's name recognition and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, Zach Martin's probably going to get it in those types of things, but, uh, either way, yeah. Going on their fourth quarterback to start this year and Joe Flacco, that's, it's too many injuries for Cleveland. Even though that defense is elite, I'm going with the Rams.
2: All right. I'll go with the Rams and lay the three and a half as well too. And what should be a very good game. The Eagles are hosting the 49ers. The 49ers are three point road favorites here.
1: Yeah, get the game we are supposed to get last year when Purdy got knocked out, the NFC Championship game, and that game kind of went south pretty quickly. Uh, you know, this one's tough, Dave. I don't really know which way I want to go. Um, my gut says 49ers. I'll say 49ers.
2: My gut says 49ers as well, too. I'll lay those three points on the road. Another what could be an interesting game here, was especially the way Jordan Love is playing, Green Bay Packers hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are six-point road favorites.
1: Yeah, loves playing great football the last month. He's kind of showed that he can be that franchise quarterback, hopefully, for the Packers. I mean, Kansas City's had their struggles. I just, it's hard to pick against KC. I'm going with the Chiefs. Uh,
2: I keep saying that this is going to be the week that they get it right on offense. I think this this is going to be uh, uh, the week they get it right. I'll lay the six points for Kansas City there. Cincinnati on the road against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars laying nine points against the Bengals.
1: You know what? I'll, I'll say the, the Jags win. The Bengals find a way to cover this one. Jake Browning's second start, kind of the jitters of that first one out of the way. Um, I think that defense is still better than people think. I'll, I'll take the Bengals to cover.
2: Yeah, I'm with you on this. I I, I don't think the Bengals are getting enough respect for, for the talent on the roster. I don't think the Bengals win this, but I think the, I'll, I, uh, they'll cover that nine points. So give me the Bengals uh, on the road plus nine. That circles us back to the Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the – Arizona Cardinals. Alex, it's been since 1969 was the last time the Cardinals organization won a road game in Pittsburgh against the Steelers. That was at old Pitt Stadium in 1969. Dick Shiner in Kent Nix had the tag team, and Dick Shiner started that one, got knocked out with a left-hand injury. Kent Nix took over through several interceptions. The Steelers actually had a 7 to nothing lead in that game. Chuck Knoll's first year as a head coach. Uh, the Steelers were 1-1 one one going into that game. The Cardinals were 1-1. One and one. The Cardinals won that game. The Steelers did not win again. That resulted in them uh, with the first uh, overall pick and getting Terry Bradshaw overall, so uh, I went down some rabbit holes. Uh, way too spent way too much time <laughs> <laughs> looking. No such uh, thing. Looking back at that game, I was one and a half, a little over one and a half years old. The last time the Cardinals won a game in Pittsburgh, there the Steelers are five and a half point home favorites to the Cardinals. What say you?
1: Good history lesson there. Um, I, ho- I hope you're sitting down for this prediction, Dave. It might be a little unexpected, although maybe not. We'll, we'll see. But if there is a week for this offense that had the building blocks against the Bengals to really put things together to have a complete game, this is the week to do it. I don't take these games for granted. We've seen Pittsburgh lose in games they shouldn't have lost before, and Murray's back, and that run game's going, but Pittsburgh's run defense has been strong. Minka, I assume will be back. The defense is going to create chaos, and Pittsburgh should run uh, very well in this game. The receiver should win against their corners at young secondary. So, I think nineteen sixty nine was the last time Pittsburgh scored thirty points in a win. I am going to say they do it here, Dave. Oh! Pittsburgh thirty to twenty, a little high scoring game for once. Don't get used to it, but for one game, high scoring thirty to twenty, Steelers over Cardinals.
2: Yeah, I'm a lot less reserved than that. I, I still want to see the baby. I, I, I like the way the labor pains are looking right now. Uh, I,
1: I, don't, I don't like this conversation in the way we're going.
2: <laughs> uh, look, uh, I think they should be able to move the football in this game on offense. I think the defense can do what they need to do. I just, I wonder if they can score enough points in this one. I think the Steelers win this. I think they score more points than they scored uh, last week. But I, I, uh, I, I want to see them do it before I start getting back into thinking 22, 24, or even 30, 30 points here. I have the Steelers winning this one 22 to 17 in this one.
1: You love those weird numbers. 22. I think you picked 22 in some of these games before. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get it right. I'm going to hit
2: one of them and then 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 it's going to say, look, you called it. You know, you're the guy that has the uh,
1: lotto numbers, every same numbers each time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. After the fact, after they're drawn, Uh, I I just I want to see them put the ball in the end. zone. I mean, they should be able to move the football against this Cardinals.
1: Why do you think they're only going to score 22? I know. I know we have to see it, but if there's a week to predict that you're going to see it, it's got to be this week. I just
2: can can they make it count in the red zone? You know, instead instead of of settling for those Boswell field field goals there, I want to see Kenny. Kenny's only got six touchdown passes still on the season. You know. Uh, I got I got to see it, Alex. I mean, I, 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 I think we're going to see them build on a lot of things that they should be able to run the football. They should be able to do fine between the twenties. And look, if special teams plays better than they played last week, that should be another interesting component of this game. I just, I want to see, uh, uh, like Matt, Matt Canada said, you know, got to score more points. Uh, so I, I think they win. I think it, it looks better statistically than the scoreboard says it will.
1: You said 22 to, to what? 17? 17. Yeah. So still, yeah, still that one possession game. I get it. I mean, it's all Pittsburgh plays this year is one possession games, at least whenever they win. Um, I just, I think if there's, there's going to be a week to do it, it's got to be this week. Last time Pittsburgh has scored 30 points in a victory was November 15th of 2020 longest active streak slash drought in the NFL. I'm going to take a swing and say it ends this week. All right. All right, Dave. Running a little bit long here, but have some time to get to some reader emails and close out today's show. All right,
2: uh, Anthony writes in, I must respectfully disagree with the listener who wrote into Wednesday's show and said that you guys are too critical and nitpicky. I don't listen to the terrible podcast just to hear sunshine and roses all the time. I tune in for the cold hard truth, which you deliver through the intrepid reporting and clear-eyed objectivity time and time again in all my years of listening to the terrible podcast. 10 plus years by now, I think, Anthony writes. I've become not only, smarter, not only a smarter Steelers fan, but a smarter fan about the game writ large. Uh, Your podcast makes me feel welcome in the world of sports, which is not always the most welcoming of places for all types of people. And I just hope you guys know for uh, every one critic out there, there are 100 of us that know you guys at the Depot are the best in the business for a reason. Thank you for everything. Anthony's out there in LA. Anthony, thank you for that uh, uh, email there. So not, you, a, not a question, just a comment. Uh, Jesse Hernandez writes in, Hey guys, happy Friday with Ben's recent podcast and a previous shakeup at OC. Uh, you have to uh, have to ask, With your best knowledge, and please elaborate as much as possible, what exactly is the quarterback coach's responsibility uh, for? What is he responsible for? And what do you expect him to do naturally? Thank you, guys. Go solely 24, he writes. Jesse Hernandez. All right. What exactly does Mike Sullivan do here?
1: Mm -hmm. What do you do here? The Bob's talk. Um, I mean. He's asking in the capacity of quarterbacks coach and not OC slash play caller. Is that, I just want to be clear. Yeah.
2: Look, he says, please elaborate as much as possible. What exactly is the quarterback coach responsible for? And what do you expect him to do naturally?
1: Well, like any positional coach, you're teaching the technique of the position. And so from a technical aspect in terms of footwork and I don't know, um, you know, just your upper body and lower body and how that all coordinates together and, you know, your how you get depth on a drop and that type of stuff. Your arm angles and anything technical is going to be the positional coach responsibility. And so, of course, it is with Mike Sullivan and Kenny Pickett in the quarterback room overall. They're going to watch tape together during the week. They're going to you know, obviously be pretty important in terms of the game plan. Um, they're going to talk on the sidelines. Even when Canada was here, you saw Sullivan. Granted, partially because Canada was upstairs, but you saw those guys going over tape on the sidelines to review, um, or, or the photos, I should say, of the sideline to see you know what went wrong and what coverages the defense was playing and stuff like that. But I, I just broadly speaking, when you're talking positional coaches, you're talking about you know teaching the technique and the the, the real you know nitty gritty coaching points of each position.
2: I read one time that a quarterback coach's job is to keep the offensive coordinator out of the out of the room as much as possible. Uh,
1: hmm. interesting,
2: and that's loose. That's obviously, I don't think you could rubber stamp this. I think you can, uh, generally with what a quarterback coach does, but I, I, I imagine that there's some differences from team to team. Uh, obviously, help game plan, make sure the game plan is passed along, uh, uh, uh without you know and answer any questions uh, related to that. Obviously in the situation right now with the Steelers, Sullivan has a, a probably a pretty good, you know, uh, 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 opinion or, or what goes into the game plan, just everything quarterback. You know, I think Alex pretty much said set, set a mouthful. I mean, it's hard to know exactly uh, uh, what that happens, but I mean, he is called a quarterback coach. He works with the, with the quarterbacks uh, specifically there. So er, everything that that would entail, like Alex said,
1: Yeah, just like a running backs coach is going to teach, go through drills, going to lead drills, going to go through the the technique of the position. They're going to watch film together. They're going to grade the the players each week, um, that kind of stuff. Really quickly, Dave, have any reaction to Ben's comments about he had a really close relationship with uh, Sullivan and with Canada was the first time he really didn't work as closely with the OC as he had before with, um, you know, Bruce Arians, et cetera, guys like that. Do you have any reaction to that?
2: I mean, it, it was interesting to hear the words come out of his mouth after the fact, you know, uh, why wasn't he saying this before?
1: Uh, I don't, I mean, I don't know if he just didn't want to try to make the waves when Canada was there. And now that he's gone, you he probably may be a little <laughs> ben, freer to ben, ben, than ben not making waves. I know. Been worried know.
2: about not making waves. Look, is, is there something there? Could, could there have been kind of a more standoffish, uh, maybe, maybe Canada was afraid to step on his toes too much, you know, uh, I don't know. I wasn't there. And we know how, you know, at, at times Ben, you know, I, I there. I is,
1: believe Ben. There, right? Yeah, there is,
2: there is a it. there is kernels of truth to what he said. Uh, I, I agree with that. Uh, you know, I, Ben was obviously closer to Randy Feetner, right?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, he just said in general, he would always work really closely with the OC. And then when Canada came in, it was kind of OK. I'm working closer with the quarterback's coach said
2: Maybe, maybe Canada didn't feel the need to, I I don't know. I mean, I not knowing it, it makes it hard when it, when you're talking about a heat, you know, he said type of situation. I, I really haven't given it much thought. I know it draws a lot of attention after the fact with Canada out of the, out of the building now, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, it may may just be Canada's experience coming from the college ranks. It's maybe how they did it before and just kind of his style and and, and method that that's possible. Um, I I just think back. Remember that report? I know the team shot it down, but that report they wanted Canada to kind of be more involved with Kenny to kind of, you know, change up the role. So he was closer with Kenny. Hearing what Ben said, I wonder if that actually might have been kind of true. And the team just shot it down just to try to, you know, sweep that story under the rug. But it it kind of makes sense now.
2: Yeah, uh, you you could go that route with it as well, too. Uh, Anyway. Look, we just got to see Kenny continue to build on what he what he did last week, you know?
1: Yeah. And that may be why. And Ben made the point of why Kenny had more success with Sullivan last week, because he's worked with Sullivan probably closer than he has at Canada. And there's a relationship there that's that's important. And those guys maybe just were in sync more often.
2: All right. uh, Bryce writes in, uh, when you factor in all the injuries to each of the teams, is it safe to say that right now, Pittsburgh actually has the best collection of pass catchers in the AFC North? If not, who would you rank higher than them? And he's talking about the AFC uh, North.
1: Like currently, as in who's healthy or just.
2: I guess he says who has the best collection. of. I mean, Cincinnati's got some talented dudes over there.
1: Yeah. I mean, when guys are healthy, I mean, you know, Chase and Higgins and Boyd is up there and I think the Ravens have a really good group again, when healthy, when Andrews was healthy. And uh, I I still like Bateman um, and Zay Flowers is going to be a dude for a long time.
2: Beckham made some big plays for him and all like that. I mean, uh, I I, I mean, look, we, we, we know the warts with the Steelers wide receivers, Uh, you know, Deontay's, we we know every we already talked about a lot of the warts with Deontay earlier in the show that that's not surprising all like that. George Pickens has got to become a, uh, still got to work on becoming a better outrunner.
1: Yeah. So to answer the question. I, I really don't know where I would rank it. I probably would not put Pittsburgh at the top. They don't have right. some of the depth throughout in, in, in the slot guys, for example. Uh, but, it, you know, it's a it's a group you can win with a group that you can produce with. And just quickly speaking of pass catchers, Michael Wilson of the Cardinals officially been ruled out. Wow. So with that shoulder. So their top deep threat is now out to this game.
2: All right. Number two, I'm having a hard time understanding why the Steelers tend to only use tight ends over the middle of the field. While Pat does a great job in that area, it seems Robinson and Pickens uh, would also thrive with more concepts and opportunities to go there as well. I think Robinson is being a little underused in this area. So what would you do to build off of last week's performance to threaten more of the middle? Look, can he miss one to uh, uh, Pickens uh, over, over the middle. Uh Look, we still would like to see a couple more you know, use use of the wide receivers over the middle of the field more, period. And and maybe we'll start seeing more of that uh, uh, moving forward here. But uh, you have to you have to start somewhere. And boy, it was great to see it start with with, with Pat Frymuth down the middle of the field against some of those middle of the field open situations that presented himself in that game and. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll we'll probably see some more middle of the field open uh, in this game against the Cardinals as well too. Uh, you know, if you if you're a lot of zone against you, I mean, long story short, yeah, they need to they need to use the white. Do they need to use Robinson technically more in the passing game though?
1: I mean, I would just say I would like to see a couple more catches for like the, your number three, number four receivers who are playing. I mean, Robinson's playing a lot of snaps; he's mm-hmm. not really. He's contributing, but you would like you know, maybe two receptions a game. So I get that. Um, you know, he's made his mark on third down, some tough catch, so when they when they really had to have it type stuff. So, you know, I, I've called for them to do a little bit more there. But if, if Pat's going to catch, you know, nine, 10 balls a game, which he won't do every single game, but if he can catch, right. you know, five passes a game, then you're kind of getting that production, at least in that that area of the field, typically speaking. So that makes it less of an issue overall, I guess.
2: All right. Robert uh, Cole writes in, great conversation about the Tomlin, Tomlin book. Fascinating and absolutely excellent. I have listened to you guys since the beginning. Pittsburgh native living in SoCal, another SoCal or another uh, uh, California person here. Keep up the great work. Love your podcast. Alex has been a game changer. Love you, Dave. Best and most credible source of theater news. F word, the national media. Uh, Robert Cole, thanks for that email. Robert. Thank you, Robert. All right, I think we got to it. As usual on a Friday, we've run a little bit uh, long. If you're having a problems, also look, uh, uh, some of you you don't don't use Spotify or don't use Apple or some of you even do use Apple. We've had some problems the last three days with uh, the RSS feed uh, attached to the podcast. So apologize if it's not updating timely right now. We have reached out to... Everybody, we can to help try to get this solved. Uh, I know it temporarily solved, yes. So, some of you used uh, what they uh, pocket cast or some of these other ones. If it's not updating the, and you're not seeing it when you think you should see it, obviously, you if you're listening to this, you got to it, <laughs> uh, here. <laughs> love- but, but if you uh, if you do, uh, Go to the site and see the post there to see if it's up and you can either listen to it online. I think Spotify has still been good about updating it uh, there. If you want to subscribe that way there, I apologize. Sometimes these, these, these technical gremlins get in here that, that we don't control that third parties control and that forces me to spend three hours a day chasing these things down here. So all I can do is apologize and hope that we get this squared away uh, as as soon as possible. And thank you to everybody out there that's been sending those Spotify. badges or or, 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 reports and, and all like that. We see those and, uh, look, it's been a great year for a pot for, for the podcast. And we know that we're not going to please 100% of the people all the time. And, uh, we're just very appreciative of everybody who who's, listens, new listeners, old listeners, everybody just, you know, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And we'll try to get these gremlins cleared up here for you.
1: Yeah, thank you guys so much. Happy December, and uh, we'll talk to you Monday and see how the game goes.
2: All right, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot, follow Alex at Alex underscore Kazora. follow the show at Terrible Podcast, email the show, podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate, SteedersDepot.com, hit the donate button. Uh, also, if you'd like an ad-free version of the site, SteedersDepot.com, hit the ad-free button and follow the directions that way. So here's to us talking about another win on Monday, Alex. And until then, As always, thanks for listening to The Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.